0: Thank you so much, guys. Well, I think our youngest children are going to go. We're going to hear from God's Word. So our, uh, thank you, James. Our crèche group are going uh, out to the back. Our uh, sparklers group, two and a half to fives, are going this way. And then I think our younger youth, years seven, eight, and nine, are going out as well. And uh, that's through those back doors. Thank you, James. Very kind. Wonderful. Great. So we're going to hear from God's Word together and open God's Word. we we'll be mainly looking at 1 Corinthians today and looking into that, um, but also um, looking a little bit around it. Last week, you know, the week before last, I was speaking about spiritual gifts. Uh, last week we had an amazing word from Eliana, who was uh, speaking from the heart to us, really powerful word. do encourage you, if you weren't here last week, to go back and listen to that. And uh, just, just a simple word on who's telling your story. And a really profound and helpful revelation from God's Word there. Um, but last The week before that, I was talking, begun talking about spiritual gifts and the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. And we saw that um, this is a, a theme of great importance, that there's something happening here when and we hear from Jesus as he's teaching his disciples. And, and he's telling them about what's going to happen when, in that period after his resurrection, but before his ascension. And that important period when he's teaching them about the Holy Spirit and about the kingdom of God uh, and then he, sends, he ascends and then he sends the Holy Spirit into their lives. And just looking at what that means for, meant for the early church and what it means for us, and we saw that uh, we're called to live lives like Jesus did. So called to live lives like Jesus where we follow after his example. And in that way, we saw that spiritual gifts that we're talking about are not a fad. They're not some newfangled invention. But actually, this is how Jesus lived his life as a man empowered by the Spirit of God. He was God, he had a perfect life, sinless life, um, his character was pure, but until he was anointed with the Holy Spirit, there were no miracles. And he healed nobody, he didn't do any teaching, he didn't gather any disciples, all of that came after his baptism. And so we saw that actually gifts are given by God to build his church, to serve others and to point to Jesus. So we saw last time. And how actually those spiritual gifts transform everyday life into being supernaturally empowered and and gifted. And we've been hearing a little bit about that today. And I'll pick up on those two stories that we've heard that are really helpful illustrations of some of the stuff I want to talk about today. Uh, Today I want to just see how the the gifts that we get, the spiritual gifts we get, are the same in so many ways but are quite different and how we're to use them with love. Just to recap really quickly, uh, there's an encouragement to us to eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. That's what we're talking about. So Paul says, eagerly desire these things. And secondly, we read that a spiritual gift is given to each one of us. So if you know Jesus as your Lord, this message and this series as we're looking at these things applies to you. It applies to you because God has given you a spiritual gift or will give you spiritual gifts. If you've not already got them, it says there a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other, and we're also told to eagerly desire them. So that's a great encouragement, isn't it? One of the ways that we might be helped is to understand how there's so many different people here with different spiritual giftings, different natural personalities as well, different natural abilities, but I'm not talking about those things, but what we're seeing is how we all need to work together for the common good, to glorify God and to build each other up so that we can help each other. And... uh, Oh, we might use this image a couple of times uh, through this because this, this is a picture of an orchestra. It's a little bit small The image it's from the back, I guess, because there's so many different people built into that. I think it looks like there's a choir behind as well, uh, but a symphony orchestra there and uh, so many different instruments. And the, the whole point of that is that every person needs to play their part. Everybody needs to, to contribute to the whole because they have one goal, one purpose, one aim. There's a huge amount going on there. Each person with different skills and abilities, but they're playing one piece of music. And keep that in mind as we look at Scripture together today. We want to firstly keep Jesus' model in mind. Jesus said this, I've given you an example to follow, do as I have done to you. And then he said, love each other just as I have loved you, you should love each other. The key thought from this, these couple of verses really is that Jesus sets an example, not just in what he does, but in how he does it and the way he does it. So he's giving an example. This is from a story of the time when he washes his disciples' feet. And the first part of that, he's saying, I'm giving you an example to follow. So do what I've done. Serve one another. But secondly, he says, love each other just as I have loved you, so you should love each other. So the motivation for the action, we should also follow. And that also applies to spiritual gifts. We're looking to Jesus as our pattern, but we don't just want to learn techniques. How did he do these things? What did he do practically? We will come on to some of those in future weeks. But I actually want to see the nature and character of how Jesus did these things. And he did them with love. These are some of the gifts that we see Jesus exercising. I said last time that uh, with the exception of tongues interpretation, um, Jesus I think exercised all of these he showed us all of these different gifts in evidence in his ministry and, and the reason he didn't show tongues interpretation probably is context so he's, he's on mission um, out in the community and preaching and, and, and revealing himself to lots of people and, and that would be why tongues interpretation wouldn't be so relevant out in that context um, they're more for the context of the church as Paul writes uh, with good reason. But the others, we see him using so many of those, and we want to see today how did he use them, what happened, and what can we learn from this. And our main passages of teaching when we come on to spiritual gifts are 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 13, and 14. And we read these words, and I will read this passage out. Uh, we, you know that when you were still pagans, this is Paul, one of the early Christians, writing to um, the church in Corinth. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshipping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. I'm just going to leave that passage up there for a moment. And uh, really important that we see several similarities about these gifts because um, we often see the differences. And so I want to focus firstly on the similarities between them. We see here that the, the gifts come from the same source. It's the same source. It's the same Source that they come from. We saw last time that Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit, and the encouragement here to us is that it's the same Holy Spirit that works in us. It's the same Holy Spirit that, that works in Jesus that works in us today. And, and Paul's writing to these people who had seen many things. He, he writes at the beginning of this passage, When you were still pagans, you were led astray, keep an eye on that thought, and swept along in worshipping speechless idols. But I want you to know that no one who comes speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus. They've seen a lot of things, these people. This church in Corinth have seen people ecstatically prophesying. What that means is they're out of control and they're just babbling away and they've seen all this taking place. They've seen ecstatic things happening and and this kind of swept away sense and, and, and carried along and led astray as people are out of control and all sorts of stuff's happening and they've seen this, they've lived in it. That's been their worship environment. And Paul's writing to say to them, hang on a minute, that's not from God, but there's a load of stuff that is from God. And I want you to be assured that what you have, the spirit that works in you, is is the same one that Jesus had too. This same power. We read this in Romans, Paul the same chap writing, but to a different church. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. It's the same Spirit, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And then he goes on later on to say this, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. Not a lesser Spirit, not half a Spirit, not not a smaller dose, but the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. Which gives us the encouragement that as Jesus lived empowered by the Spirit, so can we too. So the gifts have the same source. Secondly, the gifts have the same focus, which is that they point to Jesus. That that little interesting phrase, verse 3, says, I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. That's an unusual phrase. And I can imagine some atheists writing and saying, well, I can say Jesus is Lord. Because they can. And this isn't some kind of proof that if you can say a three-word formula, that's the Holy Spirit working in you, and you're definitely a Christian, and you're following Jesus. That's not what this means, But, but it's in this context of Paul writing to a very confused situation where people have seen all sorts of spiritual stuff taking place. There's several things this little passage means, and it's relevant to us in a couple of different ways. It's pointing to the fact that Jesus is not only the, the giver of the gift of the Holy Spirit who gives us the gifts of the Spirit, but he's also the one that this is our focus as we're using the gifts of the Spirit. Jesus is the one who's glorified and we point to that we, we can never use the gifts of the Spirit. We can never have the Spirit at work in us if we're focusing anywhere else than on Jesus. He is the Lord and, and the use of the gifts of the Spirit should point to him, not to us, not to how good we are, not to anybody else, not to any other object of worship, but always to Jesus. Jesus is the one that we're pointing to. I believe it's true to say, uh, from my experience, I can't guarantee this in all circumstances, but if people are possessed by uh, demonic forces, they're unable to say Jesus is Lord. That's what I've seen. Um, I'm sure there might be evidence that countermands that, but that's my own experience, and that can be a a useful tool when you're proclaiming the name of Jesus and setting people free from spiritual oppression um, in different ways. That can be quite important to declare the name of Jesus, we've been he- hearing earlier on. But actually, this is often talking, Paul's often talking about the fact that um, the spiritual gifts are used in ways that sometimes are not honoring to Jesus. He's actually picking up on the fact that all of these people were still pagans, were, were pagans once, sorry. And they'd come from an environment where they'd had different abilities and different spiritual abilities. They could do different things. They were led astray and swept along with different spiritual experiences. And it would have been easy for them to come into the church and just assume that those things would carry on and they could carry on using them. And he's putting a marker down and saying, actually, it's the Holy Spirit that gives you gifts and abilities. It's the Holy Spirit, not not that pagan spirit you had before. And and actually, it's important that every ability we have is as a result of the Spirit working in our lives. Did you have tongues or mysteries or prophecies before you came to Christ? He's saying, well, actually now those all need to be subject to Jesus. And it's only through the Holy Spirit working in your lives that you can point to Jesus and declare His Lordship. Basically, if you have had things that look like spiritual gifts at work in your life before you became a Christian, come to Jesus and say, God, I give you everything, all my supposed gifts and abilities and talents and everything, and if they're not from you, cause them to stop because I don't want anything in my life that's not from Jesus. Sometimes people say, well, I've always been able to do this spiritual thing, and actually if it's not from the Holy Spirit, we don't want it. At work in our lives, we want Jesus at work and we want to declare his lordship. Spiritual gifts never point to us, they always point to Jesus. They have the same goal not only the same source, not only the same focus in that they point to Jesus, but the same goal. And we serve one another. The point of spiritual gifts is that we are serving one another and helping one another and caring. For one another, not to build ourselves up, but to serve. It's possible, uh, and, and the, some of the gospel stories bear this out, that we can talk about spiritual gifts as, as wonderful because when pe- if only people would see someone getting healed, then they'd come to faith. That's our prayer and our hope often, isn't it? We say, if only, if only they'd see a miracle, they'd come to faith, and yet, and sometimes that is true. Some of us will have made responses to Jesus because we've seen people's lives changed. But equally, when you read through the Gospels, you read of so many times when people saw amazing miracles and walked away. Miracles themselves should point to Jesus, but people still need to make a decision to follow Jesus. And it may be, like I have, that you've prayed for people and they've been healed. And you've been there physically praying for them and they've been healed and they've still walked away from Jesus and gone, thanks very much. And there's been no faith response. Don't be discouraged. Don't let that settle in your heart as like a, a problem or a barrier or, a, or an obstacle to say actually that, that somehow this is, uh, this is now I should never pray for anyone else to get healed. Don't let the disappointment stop because spiritual gifts are given to us to, to bless and to build up and to serve and those individuals still need to make their own response. Our responsibility is to pray and to see people healed and set free. So spiritual gifts are given with the same, from the same source, with the same focus and the same goal, and also the same dependency on the Spirit. As God gives us spiritual gifts, each one, we are utterly dependent on Him for how those are given, how they to be used, and how they fit together. Uh, the Bible says it, that this is a little bit later on in the passage we read from earlier. It says this, but our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary." It's God that determines our gifting and how we fit together. Sometimes that comes with surprising ways. Uh, the uh, little bit at the, the end of that passage indicates that some parts of the body seem weakest and least important or actually the most necessary. And, and equally, there's a contrary... Uh, Example, at the end of this chapter, we read this, God appointed first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, fourth those who do miracles, then those who do gifts of healing, those who can help others, those who have the gift of leadership, and those who speak in unknown languages. Now, if you're ranking those, first he gave apostles, second apostles, uh, prophets, third teachers, you discover that those who can help others seem to be ranked above those who lead. Now, if we were ranking today, those who lead, definitely at the top. But Paul, when he's writing this, seems to say there's a different indicator, a different way of doing this, and actually God's given a whole lot of gifts to be used for his purpose, for his glory. Not saying leadership's not important, but nor is it the most important. There's actually, each part needs to play its part, utterly dependent on the work of the Holy Spirit. It's quite possible that when we're talking about spiritual gifts and even beginning to open open this subject up, Some of us close back up again immediately because we consider that our gift somehow isn't wanted or our gift isn't important or that we don't have a part to play. That somehow we're the weakest or the least and and this passage should encourage us that we've all got a part to play. That God has put a gifting in every single one of us and it's vital that all of us play our part. But it is so easy to compare. It's so easy to look at someone else and say, well, that's not fair. They've got this ability, and I haven't, or they can do this and I can't. And do you remember the story of Peter after Jesus' resurrection? And he's walking with Jesus on a beach, and this is the reconciliation of Peter, and, and Jesus says to him, "Peter, do you love me?" And Peter says, "Yes, Lord, you know I love you." And Jesus says again, "Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you." And there's a little conversation that happens. And Peter, in the same conversation, turns and sees John, the beloved disciple, and says, Lord, what about him? What about him? What's going to happen to him? What's his story going to be? And Jesus basically says, don't worry about him. You serve me. I'm paraphrasing, but don't worry about him. And so often in our lives, we can spend so long in our Christian lives walking with God, trying to follow him, but but actually looking over here at someone else and what God's doing in their lives and feeling jealous, or envious, or frustrated, or all sorts of things. We should look at others to give thanks for what God is doing amongst their, in their lives. But we should also press on to what God has for us to do. We have the same dependency on each other. And it's built into this passage here. Our bodies have many parts. God has put them where he wants it. Um, and we can't say to one another, I don't need you. All of us need you. Each other. Now, I'm not a musician in the sense that I can't read music. I can play the guitar a bit, um, but I used to cheat when I was at school and I learnt music and I learnt to play the guitar. Sorry, Mum, for paying for the guitar lessons, but um, I, I can read one note of music and it's an A. I can find the A on the whatever they're called, the lines. What's that bit called? Stave, is it, or something? I don't know. Something, something goes along, and I've, I know where the A is. And I'm, I have to, if I have to find the note, I work everything out from that one note. It's the only one I know. and I know where it is on the guitar. But I had to do a guitar concert as a kid. And my big hope was that no one would discover how I was making it up as I went along. Well, I wasn't making it up. I memorized the piece, because um, I couldn't read the music properly. So I memorized the piece and played along, and I think I just about got away with it. Um, orchestra hall not quite that big not quite that many of us but a lot of us playing our different pieces and all doing our different things and it kind of worked okay and I quite enjoyed it and actually those lessons did teach me how to play the guitar just unfortunately I didn't connect that with the dots and the lines and everything else that was there Um, but my hope was that I would shrink and that nobody would notice me I wasn't hoping to stand out. I wasn't hoping to be the one on display as the, as the band played, as the piece of music played. I just hoped that I didn't play a bum note and I wouldn't be stood uh, embarrassed in front of everybody else. I don't know if you, how you felt if you've ever played as part of an orchestra. Maybe you've had the, the role of the, tri- the triangle player at the back. Uh, and you've waited for your big moment. And your big moment came and there was a, a pause and you just had to do that. And the stress, the pressure, because it's not like being first violin, is it? There at the front, you know, they get all the glory, but you've got the pressure just coming to you. All you've got to do is one thing, and oh, I missed my moment. In preparation for this, I was trying to find a video um, to show just to illustrate this point, and I found, um, is it, uh, I forgot the name of the conductor. Oh world-famous conductor, whose name escapes me. Um, and he was just a little snippet, and I've not got the video to show because it ran on for a bit long. But he was teaching two people to play the triangle while he was conducting, and he wanted them to do a particular sound. But he's not a triangle player, he's not a specialist, but he is a conductor. And he stopped the practice and he said, no, I want you to do this piece. And they did it, but no, 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 that's not quite right. Can you play like this? And he's teaching them, and I, I suddenly was learning that there's a lot more to playing the triangle than I thought. I just thought you had to go ding every now and then, but seemingly there's more, and it ended with just saying, well, oh, that's worse than before, and carrying on with the practice. I hope they got the hang of it eventually. But you might feel that your part is, is tiny and insignificant, but every part has a part to play. And every part depends on each other. One part on its own is just an instrument being played. The piece of music doesn't sound the same. Everybody depends on everybody else. And as God has given spiritual gifts to us, We need to use those, and the whole church needs um, us to be using those day by day by day for the sake of everybody else. The weakest ones are actually the most necessary. Now, I can say this, I can show you a picture of an orchestra, uh, and you can go, yeah, yeah, that's true. But when it comes to our own lives and believing that, sometimes we don't quite believe it. So I've thought of another illustration that might help. I'm going to recommend you do something, but I'm not really recommending you do it. Okay, so this is the illustration. Just to help show that every part is important, if you own a car, my recommendation is that just to prove that that you matter is that you go down to your car, uh, you open up your bonnet, and you pick a random item out of the engine just and disconnect it. It doesn't have to be a big bit. It can be a small, unimportant bit. Take it off, unscrew it, get rid of it, throw it away drive home, don't do that. <laughs> How would you feel? How confident would you feel? Just go, oh, I'll take that cap off there. That'll do it. It's only a cap. It'll be fine. Now, you might get a little way. If it's the washer bottle, you'll probably be fine for a while. But eventually, most things that you disconnect would have a consequence, and you'd discover that your driving wasn't quite as good as it was before, and there's a consequence just from disconnecting a small, unimportant part. I can see a Jubilee clip here. This is a a Mercedes-AMG super-tuned engine, but there's a Jubilee clip there. Not very important, not very expensive. Probably buy a box of them for not very much. I reckon if you disconnected that, you could have some fun with someone else's engine, couldn't you? More fun than they would have driving home. Every part is important. Every part has an important part to play. Now, I've said that... Jesus is the model for how we use our gifts. We've got the same source, the same focus, the same goal, the same dependency on the Holy Spirit, the same dependency on each other. Why all this emphasis on the same? Because actually, when it comes to using the gifts of the Spirit and recognizing them in ourselves and beginning to use them, we don't see same, we see different. We don't look and we go, oh, that's the same as me. We see that's different to me. And we put people in different categories and in different boxes and we, we forget the sameness and it's so important that we start, I'm laying another foundation before we go into practical application, another foundation of how these things are the same. Because what we tend to do is notice difference and when we notice difference that causes misunderstanding and when we notice misunderstanding that causes division and when we get to a point of division we go pack it up, it's not worth it, we're never doing that again, we'll retreat. Or will attack. Either way is, a, is an often used response to opposition and division. And some have decided that the gifts are so risky they're never going to use them. And the result is that the church is impoverished. Tried it once, didn't work, felt embarrassed, never doing that again. Or I've seen other people use their gifts, I so don't, don't feel that that looks like mine, therefore I'm not going to use mine and they shouldn't use theirs. Let's just pack up the whole thing. But we're massively impoverished if that's the case. I read a stat in preparing for this, a study was done in 2015, in America, that estimated that just in the seven years from 2008 to 2015, there were $44 billion worth of unused gift vouchers issued in America. So people have been given gifts for Christmas and birthdays and never cashed them in, never used them. $44 billion of gift vouchers that someone's gone, here you go. If it was underwater hot air ballooning gift experience, I understand it. But probably some of those things are quite helpful and quite useful and they're sat indoors and people just never have claimed them. They've never used them. They've never cashed them in. And sometimes spiritual gifts can be a little bit like that where God's saying, please will you use these? Please will you put them into practice? Please will you have a go? Please will you try? Please will you fan into flame the gift of God that I've given you, that I've poured out for you, that I've paid the price to let you have? Uh, And we're treating them as optional extras extras that we might cash in one day, maybe, possibly. These are essential. But we do end up misunderstanding each other. Let me just give you a couple of illustrations on this. Um, You'll have seen this one before. How many of you look at this and see a vase, only a vase? Okay, how many of you look at this and only see two faces? How many of you look at this and see both? Okay, so the vase is, you see it now, hopefully? There's a nose, so an eye and a nose and a mouth and the same on the other side um, or you've got the vase in the cutout section. Okay. How many of you look at this and see and instinctively see an old lady and only see an old lady? Okay, put your hands down. How many of you look at this and instinctively see a young lady and only see the young lady? Okay, put your hands down. How many of you see both? Okay, do that again. Put your hand up if you see the old lady, please. Okay? So what you're seeing there, the old lady, you're seeing this as her nose, and that's her eye, and that's her mouth. And all the people who could only see the young lady have just gone, oh, yeah. If you're seeing the young lady, you're seeing that as her eye, looking away, over that way, that is her ear. That is her jawline, and that's a necklace. So, she, so the old lady is looking down from her eye. The young lady is looking away. Now, you can do a little exercise where you can see the two different things. And if you can only see the old lady, or, and if you can only see the young lady, you can argue with each other and tell each other why you're wrong. But both of you are right. Because your perspective is such that you, you intuitively see a certain thing and you you demand that your way's right and the other person's wrong. And it can be a little bit like this with spiritual gifts. We just, we just argue from our point of view. Is anybody stuck on this now? Is that, anybody, is that baffling anybody that still can only see one way? Can't see the young lady? Anybody not see the young lady? Not see the young lady. All right, we'll, we'll do this quickly. Okay, so... I'm, I'm now a glamorous young lady. Use your imagination. And I'm looking this way, so that's my jawline here, going up and round. That's my eye socket up. That's my hair. That's a feather in the top. That's my ear, just here. A Veil. You got it? OK. That'll do. It's the last time I'm pretending to be a young lady on the stage. Now, that just to make this point one last time, um, what color's the dress? No, we'll move on. Okay. So, this was a few years ago. People arguing about what color the dress was. Is it blue and black or white and gold? And lots of. I'm not going to get into that. Um, but the whole point is that we can see things differently. Now, one way of discovering what your spiritual gifts are and how God's gifted you is some of the things you're excited about and you're passionate about, some of the things you're doing. So, it's perfectly possible. Let me get rid of that so we're not too distracted. Perfectly possible to listen to the stories that we've got. We've heard and say Rob prayed for somebody to have their ear opened and it may be that God gifted Rob at that moment with gifts of healing to, to, or that was a gift of healing, being exercised to pray for that person to see God Heal on the street we could be that Suyen sharing the gospel with a couple of different people was, was encouragement or it could be evangelism uh, different spiritual gifts being used at that moment uh, it may be that there was a prophetic gift being used with the, the whole or the word of knowledge with uh, someone knowing that they were going to pray for ears to be opened and then later on seeing it so we're seeing spiritual gifts in operation so, and it can be that you're excited about those things there's a passion that you just like come on I want to hear from God and, and be listening to what God's saying. And it's just so obvious. I love listening to God. I love spending time in his presence. And, and some of those things can lead you into knowing what your spiritual gifting is. But equally, it can be sometimes your frustrations that can indicate where you're gifted. Have you ever sat? Now, you don't have to put your hands up for this one. Have you ever got to the end of a church event or church service, and you are frustrated that more people haven't helped? Because you've just you've noticed that not enough people have helped, and you're a bit frustrated about it. You've done it again. You've been there. You've done it. Your arms are folded. You're a bit cross. Might just be that you got the gift of service. Have you ever got to the end of a church event and you've been really frustrated that there wasn't more time for prophetic and listening to God and just soaking? And you just and all these other people are busy tidying up chairs and putting coffee cups away and busy serving and doing something just no no no, no but, but no we want to hear from god we want to just create space get the stuff stop i don't want to get away the preacher we just want to hear it might be there's a prophetic gift being exercised and there's the frustrations an indicator actually that of how god's wired you why you might think when you get to the end of a an event or a meeting or an activity why wasn't there more concern shown for how people were feeling or just the emotion that was in the room, I could just sense there was a... And I wanted to, to bring it, to fix it, to help people feel encouraged and blessed. Why, why weren't we... That person said that word and it was so harsh. Uh, and they were saying it was from God. But what about how that made the person feel? I wanted them to be encouraged and maybe that was a gift of encouragement. Or maybe you've gone away from a meeting or an event. And you've got, why all this... Why all this fuss and worry about experience? We just want the word of God proclaimed. We want doctrine. We want clear teaching. That will fix it. And it may be that's a a teaching gift motivating itself within you. You may, of course, have gone away from a whole series of church events and gone, why are we not doing more mission? Why are people so fixated on themselves and so stuck? in? Why can't we just go out and tell people that's where we need to be? And it wouldn't be a surprise if I told you that might be a gift of evangelism manifesting itself. Or why are we not more generous? Or perhaps a different one, why are we not getting more done? Why all this talk? Why not getting more done? And it might be a gift of administration or the one that's guidance near the top. You can see, hopefully, that sometimes just seeing things from a different perspective and looking inwardly at how we're feeling about things sometimes can can be a guide to what we consider important. But it's very unhelpful to use it to uh, to point to others and blame. Now, the reality is that um, we can't keep everybody happy. And our goal is not to keep everybody happy. It, it would be impossible in a church service to provide opportunity for everybody to use all of that gifting all of the time. I would hope in a meeting this size, we might have a, 10 people who, a dozen people who hear the word of God and, and prophesy. Uh, Paul gives quite clear instructions on how you use that. We can't have 10 or 12 people publicly prophesying necessarily. There isn't space for that. Or tongues interpretation similarly, or teaching or whatever it might be. But let's be clear, our our goal is not to try and provide uh, opportunities um, in, in one hit, in one service. It's impossible. We can't do that. We do want to create space for the gifts to be used publicly. That's absolutely our place. That's absolutely what we want to do. But we also want to provide opportunities for people to grow in their gifting. And one of the best ways we do that is in life groups. One of the best ways you can grow in your giftings in small groups and in in being able to come alongside and pray and hear from God and pray for healing and uh, bring a word of God and, and speak in tongues, interpretation, all sorts of things can be done in our small groups. Also, all sorts of things can be done out on the street on mission. All of these are actually applicable for out on the street and mission with perhaps the exception, as I said earlier, like in Jesus' ministry of tongues and interpretation. I don't recommend that you necessarily go up to The person sleeping in the doorway or anybody else, and just speak in tongues at them. I don't think it will bless them. But all the other gifts you can use um, in day to day, everyday life as you're in the workplace, as you're at work. This is not church for churchy people. This is stuff that God's given us to do to empower us to preach the gospel and to proclaim Him. How do we use the gifts? Paul gives a very clear answer. And 1 Corinthians 12 is all about the gifts. 1 Corinthians 14 is all about the gifts. 1 Corinthians 13 randomly happens to be about weddings. No, it doesn't really. Um, 1 Corinthians 13 is all about the gifts and how to use them. It's a beautiful passage about love, and it's often taken out of this context and used for weddings perfectly acceptably. But Paul is saying, this is how you use the gifts of the Spirit. If I could speak in all the languages, not just tongues, but if I could speak in all the languages of the earth and even of angels but didn't love, I'd be just a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed such faith, I could move mountains, but I didn't love, I'd be nothing. If I gave everything to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love, I would have gained nothing. Without love, our giftings are pointless and meaningless. Even martyrdom is pointless. We're to use them in love. We're to use them in such a way that we're demonstrating love again and again and again. To honor others as carriers of the Spirit. To give, treat others with dignity and respect. To submit to one another humbly. To use our spiritual gifts honestly, without judgment. We're not better than others. We're not better than other churches or other Christians Uh, All of us have a part to play, but our call is to use what God has given us to be a blessing and to build up the whole. We're also called to use them honestly. There will be times we get it wrong. There'll be times when we prophesy and it's actually not a word from God. That's okay. Paul, uh, the New Testament, gives instruction on how to deal with that. Gives instruction on how to have a go and, and how to support each other while we're having a go and discovering what God is saying to the church. We need to be honest and create a a safe place that people can step out and trust God with these spiritual gifts. (laughs) Finally, we see that all of these spiritual gifts fade away eventually. There is a day coming when we won't need to prophesy. There is a day coming when we won't need to speak in tongues or to interpret. There's a day coming when we won't need to pray for the sick because there won't be any sick. There's a day coming when we live with Jesus face to face and we see him and and we're with him day by day and all of these things will fade away. But faith, hope and love will last. What's the application point from this today? The gifts of the Spirit come from the same place, the same source, with the same goal of building each other up and the same focus, which is Jesus. But... When we use them, we start to notice differences. And those differences can cause us to fall into factions and divisions and, and feel that we're, we're not worthy and we don't play our part. We're going to look at how we fix that in the coming weeks and how to use the gifts. But my key uh, I want to leave with us today is that God loves us, that God has gifted us, that if we're not sure about what those are yet, then let's pray for more of the Holy Spirit to be at work amongst us. Let's pray that God would give us uh, revelation He'd give us his gifts, and that he would pour out his Spirit upon us. But let's remember that while we're using them, character plays a huge role. And we need to use them like Jesus did, in love. I showed a picture of an engine earlier. Um, I don't have my car keys with me. Um, But... If you gave your car keys, if you had that Mercedes-AMG car and you were to give your keys to a small child and say, there you go, have fun, that would be reckless. You'd be giving your car away um, and you'd be putting all that power in in the hands of somebody who couldn't control it. Thankfully, God gives us the Holy Spirit, but he also works on our character so that we might learn to love and, and lovingly serve one another with these powerful gifts he's given. I wonder if we could pray together would you stand with me please there may be opportunity to pray and receive prayer later on I think at the end of our service but I'd love to just pray I want to pray simply for more of the Holy Spirit to come in our lives because I am very much aware that we need him would you pray with me if you want more of the Holy Spirit at work in your life maybe just open up your hands in front of you or up high we're saying, God, we need you. We need you at work in the church. Lord, we know that we need you. We want more of your Holy Spirit coursing through us, filling us and empowering us. Lord, so often we've lived lives that where we're wanting to trust you. And yet at times we're, we doubt, at times we worry, at times we wonder if we're hearing from you properly and, and we're not quite sure what our gifting is at times or how to use it. But Lord, we stand at this point again saying we need you. Would you come and fill us? Come afresh, Holy Spirit of God, and fill us and empower us. Not for our glory. We don't want to point to ourselves, We don't want to be the one musician playing that everybody notices, but we want to point to you. We want to point to you and say, Jesus is the answer. We want to build up the church. We want to see the sick healed and the dead raised. We want to see your word coming into people's lives and setting them free. We want to see people served and loved and encouraged and helped and built up. And Lord, we know you're calling us to do it. We pray, Holy Spirit, come. Fill us. Empower us. Give us your gifts, we pray, that we might see your kingdom come. And Lord, forgive us for the times we've looked at another and pointed the finger. Lord, I pray that we would, we pray that we would use the gifts you've given in love to point to you. Amen. Thank you, Stuart. We're going to worship now.